Hello, and welcome to Me Teach You. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. And today, me gonna teach you about something I like to call the Waffle House Index. Oh, interesting. Have you ever heard about this? I have heard a couple things. I know vaguely what it is, but not super well. You know, there are a lot of different ways to measure disaster in this world. We once had a roommate who used to run into the apartment, and what did he yell? Code brown coming in hot. And that meant he had to poop, get out of the way, let him go to the bathroom. So that's where I really learned about disaster management. Yeah. Make sure, you know, when he's coming home, the door is open. Yeah. And uh, the pathway (laughs) from the front door to the bathroom is clear. (laughs) Yeah. Get all the cats out of the way. Otherwise, we're going to have a mess on our hands. Yeah. So the Waffle House Index is an informal metric named after the Waffle House restaurant chain that is used by the Federal Emergency Management Agency or... FEMA. FEMA. And what it is used for is to determine the effects of a storm and the likely scale of assistance required for disaster recovery. Interesting. It is actually very interesting. The insight into it is like kind of genius, you know? Yeah. The reason they chose the Waffle House is that it has a reputation for very good disaster preparedness and also staying open during extreme weather and or opening really quickly after it. So I have a a question. Maybe you're going to get into this, but the the first thing that comes to my mind is why does Waffle House stay open during disasters and and how? Yeah, that's a very good question. I will actually kind of lead into that with how the whole Waffle House Index was created. Okay. Because what we know right now is that they do stay open during disasters. Yes. Right? And there is actually a pretty good explanation for that. So the Waffle House Index was created by Craig... Fugate. I feel like that's how you say it. Pretty close. He's the former head of FEMA. It was inspired in 2011. There was this thing called the Joplin Tornado. Oh. It was a catastrophic EF5 rated multiple vortex tornado. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) I know it does. That sounds like the worst. I don't know (laughs) anything about like weather events or tornadoes, but just those words put together in that order sounds scary. You don't want to hear multiple and vortex right after each other. No. So it struck Joplin, Missouri in the U.S. And after it hit, even though it was like legitimately catastrophic, the two Waffle Houses in Joplin remained open. Wow. Craig Fugate, his quote is this. If you get there and the Waffle House is closed, that's really bad. (laughs) So there are three levels, okay? Okay. Green is the full menu. Oh, wow. So they have like, a, like this is a real thing. Yes. Okay. Oh, it is. It completely is. It's actually used by FEMA. Yeah. So it's full menu. Restaurant has power. Damage is limited or no damage at all. So it's a good day to be at the Waffle House. Right. Yellow. Limited menu, no power or only power from a generator or food supplies may be low. Mm. Now, red is not where you want to be. Right. If the Waffle House can open up after a catastrophic Category 5 tornado, Mm -hmm. imagine what it takes. To just totally close down. Yeah, completely close down the Waffle House. So it means the restaurant is closed, indicating severe damage, severe flooding, or something I'll go into after a pandemic. Oh. Because this is not was not created to judge disaster response in a pandemic. Right. It's different. It's very, very different. Yes. So to answer your question a few minutes ago, there's several reasons why the Waffle House is so efficient at preparing for disaster. One of the main reasons is that most of their locations take place um, in southern U.S. Okay. Where they get a lot of bad weather. Right. They get hurricanes. They get tornadoes. And they're not actually alone. There are several companies like big chains that have a similar level of disaster preparation. Mm. But it's just, I guess they're just an institution. Right. 
And I think that Craig probably was like, I want some waffles on the day of. And yeah. really that's what stuck. So they, they just, they have just a lot of experience with yes. disasters. I and guess all, hurricanes, tornadoes. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's something where you'd probably have to write it into your business plan because there are multiple events, especially nowadays as the weather gets crappier, Yeah, where it's like, I know that this many days of a year, there'll probably be hurricanes or tornadoes or this or that. Yeah. And people are still going to need food, right? Yeah. So they actually train jump teams oh. to facilitate <sighs> fast reopening after disasters. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. I like jump teams. I wonder if they all wear like... um jumpsuits yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i imagine i like to imagine that now so they actually have a cut down menu that is made especially for situations where they don't have power so it's like these things is what this is what we can make first here's right. what we can facilitate here's or limited supplies and so the waffle house actually rarely reaches the red level index right where and they it, have to fully close exactly and if it does you better run so there's a guy named Dan Stone King. He is the FEMA director of external affairs and he wrote in a blog post. And I quote, as Craig often says, the Waffle House test doesn't just tell us how quickly a business re might rebound. It also tells us how the larger community is faring. The sooner restaurants, groceries and corner stores or banks can reopen, the sooner local economies will start generating revenue again, mm -hmm. signaling a stronger recovery for the community. The success of the private sector is preparing for and weathering disasters. He should have said no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> is essential to the community's ability to recover in the long run. So the Waffle House isn't just waffles. like a waffle, a place that sells it's waffles. It's a beacon it is, of hope. It's a canary <laughs> yes. that signals like the well-being of like the it spirits is. and economy of a whole community. It genuinely is. That's very interesting. It is legit. I never thought about that. It, it is the canary. You're totally right. If you go by, yeah, it's kind of disturbing Yeah. to think how easily a community can basically fall apart after disaster if they're not prepared. Yeah. Very, so, very scary. Here's my scary follow-up question. In <sighs> 2020, how many Waffle Houses are closed? Yeah, I do actually have some stats for you. But first, I want to tell you something funny. A Freedom of Information Act request response in 2017, that's six years after the Waffle House Index was created, included emails saying the Waffle House Index was a personal project of Craig Fugate Denying a connection between the Waffle House Index and FEMA's National Business Emergency Operations Center. Sad. Yeah. So it wasn't like a sanctioned project. It still means a lot. Yeah. You know? So COVID-19 response. On March 24th, 2020, that's this year, yep. Waffle House publicly tweeted, hashtag Waffle House Index Red. <laughs> <laughs> and a chill went through the spine of every single person in America. Nay, the world. <laughs> They said 365 Waffle House restaurants closed, 1,627 open. Wow. Now, that was March 24th. I only have stats for April. But at the beginning of April, 38.9% of Waffle Houses were closed. And by April 17th, only two weeks later, 99%. And I can't imagine it's doing much better nowadays. Yeah. Um, uh, and in some places have reopened a bit, but it seems like here wave. in mid to late November, we're, we're looking at going fully back to yeah. uh, the, that April level of things. So and that's you also gotta scary. Give it to them because they prepare for disasters that could hit their emergency power, their supplies, water and stuff like that. Like the pandemic is so different. It just kind of shows how much this pandemic has taken everyone off guard. 
Especially Waffle House. Yeah, well, they did their best, but even Waffle House. I would not be surprised if a few years from now they have a pandemic jump team. They're going to wear like those big plastic, like a bowl of virus suits yeah. like the, that you see in like movies like and stuff. Like the one they went and got E.T. with when yeah. he was like contaminated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except with steaming packs of <laughs> uh, stacks of waffles. God damn, I really want waffles now. <laughs> All right, so that is the Waffle House Index. Thank you. You're you really welcome. taught me today. Yeah, and as a person who used to work at... Um, uh, restaurants yeah can you imagine the restaurants you worked at being good during a working disaster? during a hurricane or a yeah. tornado yeah that would be a whole level of stress on top of everything yeah, else no, absolutely that's yeah. for sure but i guess they're serving people who are doing sort of disaster response yeah so they're actually fulfilling like an important function in um, absolutely the whole disaster response like chain of uh you know events and there's always like the old dudes who are like eh just yeah. sitting down to order waffles and don't even like <laughs> notice there's a storm. And like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, hear yours. All right. So today I'm going to teach you uh, about the Halifax Slasher. Mm. Have you heard of this before? You know what? I don't know if I have. Excellent. Um, so this would be the case of a town with the Waffle House gone red. That's just a bit of a spoiler here. I beg your pardon. I don't think the Waffle House repairs for slashers. Well, let me just get into this. Unless he's slashing into like bags of flour. In November of 1938, the town of Halifax in England. What? Not, I thought you were going to say Canada. Not the Canadian Halifax. Well, you know Halifax in Canada has had its day in the spotlight long enough. Yeah, there's a Vancouver, Washington, and there's a Vancouver, BC, and we are at each other's throats constantly. Yeah. And isn't there like a London, Ontario? There is. And... A London, London. Yeah, London, London. <laughs> so in November of 1938, as I said, the town was terrorized by a slasher. What did he slash? Well, uh, it started with two women, uh, Mary Gladhill and Gertrude Watts. They were the first uh, to be attacked on the same night. What a fucker. Uh, they both described a man with bright uh, almost resplendent buckles on his boots. Oh. And in their case, he did not, uh, in fact, slash them. He attacked both of them with a mallet. Like a pulverizer? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Um, the name, the Halifax Slasher, was only uh, attributed to him a couple days later when a woman named Mary Sutleff was attacked, this time by a man with a knife, but also a shiny boot buckle. What is going on in Halifax... What is up with his buckles? Now, here's my question to you. Do you think that he takes off his boots after he's done slashing or does he just wear them all the time? And he's like, well, maybe. I mean, it, it seems to be a, a sort of a recurring th thread in these attacks that have buckles. happened. But in the first three attacks, no one is dead. It's just been people badly uh, bashed, you know, injured, either bashed or or in her case, slashed. She had a little slash, perhaps. Um, but things escalated quickly, as they say. Most of the victims were women, but there were some men. Mm -hmm. And in a course of less than two weeks, there were 12 attacks. My God. Um, almost So that's one almost every night. That Sometimes more than one in a night. My God. By, by the time like this, this two weeks are up, the town was in like total frenzy. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely. Every business, every single business in Halifax was boarded up and closed. And they all wrote Waffle House Red. On all of their windows. At night, people locked themselves in the house, in their houses and roving packs of vigilantes began to roam the streets. If they came upon anybody, they would like 
descend on them and in some cases like viciously beat people just because they saw them out at night. That ain't right. The town began to literally descend into anarchy. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, a, a pervasive said uh, dr- a sense of dread and paranoia like it just began to like fall over Halifax. Dear God. People were accusing like people in their family. Like everyone was going crazy. It's like the witch hunt. Yeah, it was basically like a witch hunt going on. Did really did people really not get a better description of him than he just had blue It buckles? was always just like the the belt buckles and the vicious knife attacks or razor attacks. That's fucked. Oh um, my God. A woman named Hilda Lodge was one of the people who was attacked and she was helped by a man like who came across her. She was badly injured. He mended her, helped her out and just rumors started going around and a mob formed. Oh! <gasps> They went, they marched to his house. Just because he was a good Samaritan? Because he was a good Samaritan. Oh my God. Dozens of people stood outside where this man was and began to chant his name. Like a full on like Cthulhu cult kind of situation and started calling for his death. The police had to escort him to safety. My God. And speaking of the police, the police at Halifax were completely out of their element. The, the, The town was descending into anarchy. People were going insane. Um, and they were totally overwhelmed and making no progress on catching the slasher. So they called in Scotland Yard. <gasps> so Scotland Yard comes in and they're like the big dogs. Yeah. They're the big cheese. They yeah. come in with their pipes and yeah. their hats and, and their accents. Exactly. And they find a town that's basically like Bloodborne, the, the PlayStation <laughs> game. Like it, just people like yeah. locked in at night and just these horrifying, you know, packs of yeah. like people who have gone crazy just searching for the slasher. So they uh, started investigating heavily through the town. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a video game right here. It's like, yeah. you've got to find the slasher. And it, then you're like, excuse me, sir. Do you know anything about the slasher? Yeah, it was a, a huge presence all over the town. Um, so they interviewed every victim. They they went over the place. Did anyone die for, at this point? So at this point, all of the victims had, as many of them were, you know, fairly badly wounded, but none of them had died. Why do you think he does it? He doesn't rob them, right? Yeah. So after, do you think a sexual After only a few days of investigation, Scotland Yard um made their announcement there were arrests multiple arrests by five people who they said uh (gasps) admitted to self-inflicting their wounds that's what i was gonna guess Uh, i was gonna guess mass hysteria but i'm like but i was gonna say how can you have mass hysteria with like a slashing wound furthermore uh (gasps) some of the victims who had slashing wounds they determined that while the people were adamant and they really felt that this, a lot of these people did believe that they were attacked. Mm-hmm. There was no evidence that their wounds were inflicted by anybody else. Wow. Now, is this true? Yes. So this is one of the uh, most um, sort of strange and but well-documented cases of mass hysteria. Wow. The entire town descended into a panic yeah. and chaos and people were slashed and injured. But... The solid detective findings were that there was never an actual slasher of Halifax. Holy shit, that's insane. The entire town had just fallen into a grip of an incredibly uh, violent mass hysteria. The disturbing part is like how you can believe it. You know what I mean? Because I do, I 100% don't think every single person was like conspiratorially talking to each other. They were just like, I'm part of it too. I got slashed. I got slashed. Yeah. I too got slashed. Yeah, it's strange to me that like some of the people. Why? I don't know why the buckles. But some of the people were like adamant that they had been slashed by somebody else, but there was just no evidence that, of that. That, that I'm sure happened they believed at all. it too. Yeah. Or maybe in their case, they were slashed by vigilantes. Like people were going around <gasps> oh. hacking at each other with knives. Yeah. 
I'm scared I'm going to succumb to mass hysteria. Yeah. I legitimately am. There's a lot of instances of mass hysteria um, that have happened through history, and they're all very uh, interesting and disturbing. I think, yeah, they, they especially happen during times of like upheaval, like social upheaval. I wonder if we're going to hear about any of them happening during the pandemic. A lot of, yeah, it could very well could be. Yeah. Um, a lot of situate, uh, you know, instances of massive hysteria have also happened in schools yeah, or where people those. are kind of close together. Or nunneries. Yeah. I've heard of those too. Yeah. Like sort of monastery type situations. I'm scared I'm going to catch the infection. Yeah. The infection of madness. Madness. It does sound like bloodborne though. Whew. Yeah. All right, so that is my uh, me teach you about uh, the slasher of Halifax. Well, thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. To? Mm, oh, me? Teach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Me Teach You. Our show is new and you may not know this, but the first few weeks are the most important when it comes to getting the word out there. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Leave a review and tell a friend if you think they might like it too. You can connect with us at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you search Me Teach You. That's all one word with the letter U as in university. And of course, if you have any interesting topics that you think we should cover, email us at smart at meteachyou.com.